Thank you so much. Yes, we're from New York. So my name is Sister Faustina, Sister Anastasia, and we are Brides of Christ. That's the biggest thing you need to know about us. We're Sisters of Life. Um, amen. And um, yeah, we were looking at each other on the airplane, and I was like, hey, have you been to Louisiana? And she's like, no, have you? I'm like, no. I'm like, this is so exotic sounding, you know, the deep south. Um, but um, we have tasted your goodness. We really have, in more than one way. Um, obviously, just walking around campus and being here, um, just the smiles, the openness of heart. We're like, we are not in New York anymore. <laughs> um, but um, let's see, last night I had red beans um, with rice and sausage, um, crayfish, just kidding, crawfish. <laughs> um, and there's a whole bunch of stuff on that menu I couldn't understand, but it tasted amazing. So we have truly tasted your goodness. Um, and tonight we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus, um, to taste a little bit of that goodness, right? Because no surprise, we're sisters. That's who we live for. That's who we die for. That's everything to us, uh, Jesus. So uh, thank you, Father, for starting us off with a prayer. Amen. Um, so I have a little niece, Kiara, and she is four years old, and um, my sister prays with her, and one day they were just asking her, like, okay, we're going to pray a little bit. Um, and they said, Kiara, what do you want to pray for? And sometimes she prays for her friends and, you know, her dad or whatever. And this one day she said, she was like thinking really hard and like, yeah, Kiara, what do you want to pray for? And she said, I want to pray for Jesus and for me that we would be nice to each other. <laughs> I was like, whoa, did somebody tell her like, oh, Jesus doesn't like that or something. I don't know what happened. Um, but I was like, even at age four, it's complicated. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Um, but she spoke to a real truth, though, that I was actually very happy to hear, that she knew it was a relationship, that, that like, Jesus and her had something going on, you know? Like, that was, that's pretty amazing. It took me a long time to get to that point. Um, so such a gift. And it's, that it's all about love, and that's what we're going to talk about, this relationship and, and how personal it is and how deeply beautiful um, in our culture today, we all know this um, in many ways, um, but just, you know, the experiences that I've had, I mean, New York is one place, but it's, it's the human heart, it's everywhere. Walking on the streets, the people we encounter, our own families, our own hearts, people don't care what's right or wrong. You know, that's kind of secondary, what's right, what's wrong. The biggest question that the heart poses, the burning question of the heart, the human heart is, do you love me? And that's, a, that's imbued, that question is so deep in the human heart. We are seeking the answer to that question. Do you love me? You know, and depending on how we perceive that question to be answered, our whole lives will, will be charted from that place. Um, such a hugely important question. Um, and this question is inscribed upon our hearts, and it's intended that we ask that question. It's intended that we seek to listen to that answer. And, of course, we, if, we, if we don't ask the Lord that question, we're going to ask other people, right, people around us. And so often our experience of that, when we're asking that in a myriad of different ways, um, through, through our relationships, through our experiences, what we often find is, well, a conditional love. I am loved when, when I do this, when I act this way. I am loved for this. Or if only this didn't happen in my life then I would be loved. Then that answer to that question would be this resounding yes. Or only if I didn't struggle with this, then I would be loved. Then that answer would be yes. And what's amazing is that we're talking a little bit about mercy. And I was talking to Adam last night, and he was like, can you talk a little bit about God's unfathomable mercy? I'm like, I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the purpose. Like, it's something beyond our imagining. Like, what is that? 
But really, when I was thinking about it, I was like, God doesn't love us in a conditional love. Our whole experience is a conditional love. This person loves me when I am this way. And I love myself when I am this way, right? And then, you know, you're going to be my friend if you, if you show up when I need you, you know? This, these conditions that we place on love. But God, his love is not like that. God loves us with an unconditional love. And it's a love that says, I love you not for what you do, what you can do for me, or what you have earned. I love you for you, who you are. And that, that kind of love to our broken human hearts is unfathomable, right? And it is hard for us to wrap our minds around. It's hard for us to receive. It's hard for us to believe because it's not been our experience. And so, briefly, you know, God made us in his image. You know, maybe we've heard this a thousand times. He created us in his image, in his likeness. And he, he made all of creation, right? And you're like, sister, that's great. He made the trees. I love the trees here. They're awesome. Um, he made everything. And he made the human person. But what's special about the human person? God chooses us, each human person, each human soul. He chooses us above all of creation, the glorious landscapes. How? By giving us and only us the ability to choose him back. God has made us for love. He has made us from this unconditional love, and he has made us for this unconditional love. But love never forces. It always invites. So he invites us in creating us to choose him back. And, of course, he knows our experience of this broken, unconditional love. So it makes us doubt this. We're like, yeah, I've heard that Jesus loves me. I've heard that I'm really awesome and special, and there's something special about me. But I don't feel special. Like, what's that about? What about right now? And so God, the Father, he knows that. And what does he do? He sends his son, Jesus. Um, he sends his son, Jesus. So one of my favorite, well, let's, oh, okay. Um, so much to say about Jesus. Um, so after Holy Week, we just came through Holy Week, right? And there's a lot going on during Holy Week. We have the apostles, and it's very dramatic. Oh, my goodness. High suspense, what's happening? And we see, um, I just want to highlight briefly, you know, we see Peter and Judas, right? Two, two men called by God to be his special friends, right? To hang out with him for three years. And they have both witnessed his miracles, the way that he looks at people. He, they've experienced it all. Um, unbelievable love. And yet both of them, as we know, deny Christ, betray Christ in some way. Peter, um, you know, and, and Judas. And both feel the weight of that, I'm sure, in a crushing way. But what is the difference that, that Peter becomes the apostle that is chosen to be the one to lead the rest, the, the, the first Holy Father, and that Judas despairs, right? Because he couldn't fix it on his own, and he despairs. What is the difference? Well, we're going to look a little bit about that because this is this unconditional love that we're all made to receive. How did Peter get in on that? How did he open his heart to receive that and get carried off by that? Well, I think that Peter knew Jesus's heart. We can be around Jesus for years, right, just like the apostles, and not know his heart, the most treasured part of who he is. And so Peter, I think back to the scene in the Gospels where they're all, Jesus says, hey, go out on the, on the boat and I'll catch you on the other side. They should have been suspicious, no. <laughs> um, and then this big storm happens. And they're fishermen. This is their skill set. And they're scared for their lives. And Jesus is not with them. All of a sudden, they see Jesus. Well, they didn't know it was him. Somebody walking on the water. And it looks like a ghost. And they're like, what is this? What is next? And 
And Jesus, knowing their fear, says, take courage. Be not afraid. It is I. But yet they're like, this is ridiculous. We've never seen somebody walking on water. You look like a ghost. And so Peter, what does he say? He says, Lord, if it is you, bid me come to you on the water. The other apostles must have been like, what? Like, if it is you, like, stop the storm, get on the boat, like, bring us to the safe harbor, you know, pink lemonade, I don't know. And, and yet, when Peter says that, I really think it shows that he's friends with Jesus. Because Jesus' whole message, his quintessential, like, message and desire was just that word, come. You know, how many times did Peter hear that? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Let the little children come to me. Come down, Zacchaeus. Um, all who are thirsty, let them come to me. Come follow me. Come blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom. Over and over again. And even if Jesus wasn't saying the word come, he was saying it in his, in his whole manner and his whole being that he didn't want anything to come between people. You know, come off your high horse, out of the darkness, out of the tomb, through the roof. Like, come, you know. And this this stirred and it allowed Peter's heart to be moved by the Lord's heart. And so in that moment on the storm, Peter, with some holy boldness, with some moxie, he calls out through the, the howling wind and the waves, and he says, Lord, I know you. And I know you so much to say, like, if it is you, bid me come, because you're going to tell me to come if it's you. And sure enough, what does the Lord say? He says, come. This is the whole reason Jesus came down from heaven, right? To open the gates of heaven to the Father's house and to say, come. To say, the Father breathed life into you when he created you. He proclaimed you good. And yet the mess of this world makes us doubt it. And so he sends his son to say that same word to us. No, I really mean it. Come. No, I really mean it. You are good. You belong here. You are my son. You are my daughter. And so this is what God's mercy says. This is what unconditional love says. It says, no matter what, no matter where, come. Don't let anything get between us. Not your past, not the waves, not your fears, your doubts, not even gravity, nothing. A heart that always says, come, uh, come. And so, again, another great part of um, Jesus's ministry was he, he was a great storyteller. And he tells a story that you might have heard. It's, it's the prodigal son, very, very much a, a story that people love to, to share. It's a story of a father, right, who has two sons. One son takes half the inheritance, spends it um, on loose living, and then becomes destitute and hungers just to be fed with, like, his father's servants. So he comes home, and he's received home with this big embrace, love, um, like he had never left, you know, in a, in a beautiful way, such a, a welcoming to come home. And then the second son, who never left, yet is resentful that he doesn't get that party. You know, where, where's the party? Where's the rejoicing in, in who I am? So it's a story, and Jesus tells a story. And I wondered, I was like, Jesus, this is a story about the Father. And you're telling us about the Father, but you say that you and the Father are one. Where are you in the story? Are you just telling it? Where are you in the story? But what I started to realize was that I think Jesus is in the story. I think that Jesus is in the hearts of both the two sons, struggling, winning the grace for them to go home to the father. They know their father in the way that they've grown up with him. He's their dad. But do they know their father? They don't know the heart of their father. And why do I think that Jesus is in the hearts of these two sons? 
Because when those two sons come to him, to their father, in the midst of their chaos, their weakness, their struggles, their anger, their resentment, and they come precisely in that moment and they go to the father, the father says to each of them words that he would only speak to his son, Jesus. He says to the prodigal son who comes home, my son who is dead and is now alive. And to the son who has been at home, he says, everything I have is yours. You have always been with me. Jesus lives within our hearts. He wins for us the grace to go home, to come, to come home to the Father. And precisely when we're having a bad day, precisely when we're in the real rut of what makes life difficult, when I doubt most my goodness, my, that I am a daughter, that I am a son, Jesus wins for us that grace and says, precisely now, go to the Father to see what he says, to hear his words, to encounter his gaze, um, to know that you, who your true identity is, to restore you to who you are um, in your goodness. And it's so powerful. Um, there's a story of, um, it was during the um, Soviets taking over Poland um, in Eastern Europe, and um, they arrested this couple. They thought the husband was a spy. And he was innocent, and so they separated the, the two out, the, the wife and the husband, they separated, and they were torturing them to see if they would confess, to try to make them confess. And the husband, he wasn't giving in. He was like, you know, I have nothing to hide. I'm innocent. So they were torturing him, and nothing. He didn't concede anything. But yet, over time, the wife, she conceded. I mean, they were, they were ruthlessly um, are torturing her. And one word from her lips, and they shipped her husband for, for almost 20 years off to hard labor in Siberia. Uh, devastating in many ways. The husband, after years, finally escapes. And, I mean, he's like thousands of miles in the tundra, you know. And uh, he's, work, he's worked these hard years to even just to get by day to day. Then he escapes 4,000 miles, something crazy. And, of course, he's hiding. He has, like, no supplies. It's freezing. Just a crazy story of miracle that he, he ends up, um, you know, getting as far as he did. And the reunion between them, the sobbing, her, her, her sorrow, her, her, her pleading for forgiveness, and his complete embrace of her. And afterwards, um, someone asked this man, they said, how did you survive those years? How did you survive, um, you know, that escape alone? How did you survive? And he said, I knew I was the only one who could forgive my wife. I knew her heart. I knew that she loved me. And I knew that all these years she would hate herself for doing what she did. And I wanted to, to, I wanted to survive. I wanted to escape so I could just have that one moment to say I love you and I forgive you. And I've never doubted that. And that is Jesus' love for us, right? Each of us, each of us has been, in many ways, tormented by the lies of this culture, fed uh, awful things. And we each um, are, are super desirous of this authentic, unconditional love that God alone has created us for, and he desires us to live. And yet, um, we make decisions that we regret afterwards. We're like, that, that I, I know that wasn't who I am, Right? But we can begin to believe these lies. And yet God in his goodness knows that our goodness that he has shared with us in our creation 
it's, it's never walked away. That goodness, he pursues, and he, pers- he pursues us to show us, even in that beautiful, unconditional love, that we are good. And he knows in all his heart that he is the only one who can forgive us. Um, so, so beautiful. And Pope John Paul II talks about this in, in his um, writings on mercy. He says, mercy is not a pitying love, a love that pities us. Rather, it is a love that uncovers the good. It's a love that when we are loved by it, it shows us who we really are, restores us to that dignity. Um, and so, you know, we work with a lot of women. Father mentioned a little bit those, um, you know, a lot of women who are pregnant and alone, scared. Um, we see God, God's presence in powerful ways, in powerful ways, many stories, um, which we don't have time to share too many of, um, but beautiful, beautiful stories. And all these women are in this authentic search for love. And in the midst of this looking for love, um, they find out, you know, many of them in situations that aren't what God desires, you know, living in a committed relationship. But precisely there, they find out they're pregnant. And, uh, and in a very clear way, in, in, in many ways, it's like God saying, like, like hi, like, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> you thought I was, like, miles away, but I'm actually at the very heart, the very center of your search for love. And I'm calling out anew to you with this little child that I love you. I believe in your capacity to love. Not only do I, did I create you with this unconditional love, do I love you with this, but I believe that you have it in you to love in an unconditional way. And I'm calling out anew to you with this little child. And of course, her situation is so wrapped in fears and anxieties that she doesn't see that at first. Um, but in beautiful ways, the women that we walk with can turn around and see through the crisis the love of God, this piercing reality uh, of knowing that he, he believes in their love he sa- and tells them, your love matters, and it matters so much that it reaches into eternity. Um, but even when the choices are made that are, you know, different from, you know, um, choosing life, when a woman has an abortion and suffers that, God is still there, and we see that all the time as well. There was a woman who just came on retreat with us um, shortly before we came, and she was saying that she had suffered an abortion and afterwards hit this real period of darkness. And she was going to, you know, talk to her counselor about it. And, and at a certain point, her counselor was like, look, this is spiritual. Like, I think you need some spiritual help. Um, way to go. <laughs> um, and so she was Catholic, but she just hadn't been to church in a while and, and things. So she just started to go to her neighborhood church and sit in the back pew. And she would sit there for hours and just cry. She just cry for weeks. And at first she couldn't, it was, she, she was there and she, she knew the Blessed Sacrament. She recognized the tabernacle and she looked at the crucifix. At first she couldn't even look at Jesus' face. You know, she would just cry. And then eventually she just started to just look at his face and cry, you know. Um, and a few weeks go by of this and she has a dream. And in the dream she just sees Jesus' face. And he's looking at her with eyes full of love like a, a kind face. And he looks at her and he says, why are you crying? I have forgiven you. Your child has forgiven you. And this is, this is the striking reality um, that this love um, that receives us exactly where we are says, you're worth it. You haven't done anything to earn my love. You don't need to. I love you, but come. And a very real way of coming to the Lord is, is the sacraments of, of confession, communion, where God literally in confession takes these burdens off our hearts to free us, to enable us to live this love, to receive this love. 
And so in the, the last few minutes, I just want to talk about one thing, which is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> um, how do we receive this amazing love? How do we receive this unconditional love? And there is many ways uh, in some senses, but a big overarching way is, is what St. Faustina, my patron, talks about is trust. Jesus says to St. Faustina, he says, the vessel that pours this unconditional love that gets unleashed in our heart is trust. And it's, it's a funny thing because there's many people have said many things about God's love, but what is it about trust? Um, what is the experience of that? There's a summons in our heart that we experience. We each have this desire for something more. Any day, any moment, if we stop in the silence, we can access that point. I want more. More what? We can think, oh, maybe it's I want more, uh, more friends or I want more of this. We can come up with things. But even when we get to those places, with that moreness, that desire is still there. What is that desire for more? Well, in that very same place, that desire for more, there will be an invitation. And Jesus, if we go to that place of desiring more, is inviting us to something. He's saying, come to something. And so we were at World Youth Day, and we were handing out a bunch of brochures to, like, you know, to the people coming into for this catechesis session. And um, it was kind of our fault because we were handing out brochures with all these stories. So as, as we were doing a catechesis session, um, this one young boy wasn't actually listening to what was going on. He was reading it. But that was, it was, we put good stuff in there. He was reading it, and he came out outside of the um, catechesis session and he was like, sister, like, I read this, and I have never heard this before. And it was the whole section about the sacredness of our human sexuality, like the gift that God has created us, uh, man and female, and the sacredness of, of that gift. And as he was reading about it, he was like, I, I've, I've never heard this before. This is amazing. And he said, I, you know, I've been sleeping with my girlfriend, and, you know, I love her, and I want to start over. And I, I, don't, I don't know how to tell her because I want her to know that I love her and I want something more for her. Will you help me write a letter to her? <laughs> we were like, yes! <laughs> um, but this beautiful sense of something, desire being stirred up as he read this, that he wanted something more. And yet he said to us in, in total honesty, like, I don't know what she's going to say. I don't know if, if she's going to walk out. And there's something to trust, that there's an invitation, and yet there's something out of our control. We don't know how it's going to go down. And it feels scary to us, and yet it corresponds to this deep desire for something more that we have in, in our hearts. And so this, this openness to, to stepping out of the boat. So tonight I know we're going to have some time for adoration. And um, I really invite you... Um, you know, Jesus has given you this gift of life. Like, we, are, we work so hard for so many things in our life. We have worked hard to get here to school. We work hard in our classes. We work hard for so many things. He has given this gift of life to us for free. We've just wo woke up and we're alive. Then he gives us the gift of new life in his mercy, that we can feel this burden inside. We can feel weighed down. We can bring it to him, and he gives us a new, fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. So he gives us this gift of life and new life. And when he gives it these things to us that we don't deserve and just for free, what is he saying? God is saying, you're worth it. And trust is the closest thing that we can have to, to having us mutual return to say, God, I feel this, 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 this invitation to come closer to you in some way, to live my life more radically to this love that I was made for. 
I don't know how it's going to go down, but I'm going to take the first step. Why? Because you're worth it. You're worth it, Jesus. And so this is, this is the beauty of this, this relationship that we have with God, that he invites us in and he takes us seriously um, and he fills our hearts with, with a love beyond imagining. So the challenge tonight for each of you as, you know, as we spend some time before the Lord in adoration, to say, Lord, you know, there's a lot going on in my life, but where are the places in my heart that maybe be tight to you? Where are the places where I doubt my own goodness? Where are the places where I put conditions on myself to say, I'm not good enough here. I don't deserve to be loved here. And to go to the Father and say, Jesus, you won the grace for me right here. To go to the Father and say, what do you have to say about this? And, and to say, you know, in complete honesty, I want to look at your, into your eyes. I want to hear your voice to hear you say, uh, my goodness. And then to set me free to be a vessel of that love and to bring that unconditional love to others. So know of our prayers, a um, lot of stories, and Sister Anastasia and I will be around for the next few days to, to be able to share those with you. Um, but we're also here to say, too, that we're going to be around on Saturday. We're going to have the little day of reflection, I think, with some of the service project um, people around 1 o'clock. So we'd love to have you, love to see you around. But know with a tremendous joy it is for us to see you here and to know that Jesus has an awesome plan for you. There's no way that you'd be here otherwise. So God bless you all.